All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Be Free RE with John, your host, and Tony. What's your title here? The guru, host, fill-in, Eagles cheerleader. Assistant host. Assistant to the manager. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. For our our listeners that are fans of The Office. Uh, All right, Tony. Well, today, you are Groot, for those that are watching on YouTube. And uh, we are going to be talking about, and for those who are just listening, he has an I Am Groot shirt. And we're going to be talking about sort of... (laughs) Uh, the benefits of doing some of the uh, real estate FI, some of the being free of with RE. Uh, we're not 100% free, I would say, but we're, uh, we've got our plans in pencil. And uh, I guess yours are even maybe more defined than that. So stay tuned to the next episode for Tony's. But today we're going to be talking about uh, sort of what my wife and I are planning slash doing now that we have a little bit of liberty or freedom, as William Wallace would say. <laughs> yeah. What you got to add to that, Tony? Uh, that was a pretty good summary. Yeah, so we're basically <laughs> going to be talking about um, the past couple episodes. We talked about sort of the first deal, the second deal, a little bit of the third, like mm-hmm. growing the real estate portfolio. We touched a little bit on some of the things that we're kind of doing outside of real estate, but not a ton. Um, Obviously, there's a little bit of extra effort outside of just real estate towards FI. But yeah, today we're just going to talk about like that whole, you know, how we're growing, how we got to the point where either close to financial independence or reluctant to accept the fact that perhaps you are in my case, like, I don't know, just uncomfortable with uh, actually making the total leap on my end but yeah so we're going to talk about that whole growth stage and how to kind of take that that leap uh towards towards more um a more financially flexible future so that's our our goal you, with these episodes yeah and you the listener can be inspired to take action in your own life all right wonderful all right tony well so just to recap my situation uh we have three properties now they're duplexes so we have six units those are all in pittsburgh and i am talking to the listeners from the lovely state of colorado so we are experimenting managing our rentals from afar for at least part of the year well probably for all of the year and um, we're looking at buying a house here in colorado that we might use as an airbnb Um, so we would own something here and we would airbnb that And really the goal of this chapter of our lives is to spend time with family, have sort of a flexible income. I'm not really a believer in passive income, but I Mm -hmm. want income that's flexible. I can manage it from anywhere. Um, And uh, sort of core to that belief is having all of our like assets work for us. So like everybody's got to live somewhere. So I want my house to make me some money. We got to have a car. I want my driveway to make me make me money. Those kinds of things. Um, uh, Maybe I would rent out our car if we had a second one. And um, and then, uh, yeah, my kid is young and I'm a huge believer that between like the ages of two and 12 are like the golden years where your kid actually likes you and wants to spend time with you. Um, And then once they turn 13, a cell phone pops out of their ear or whatever. They just want to go to the mall, talk to their friends. Drop me off, drop me off like a mile from the school and I'll walk the rest of the way. Exactly. 
and then also our parents are on the older side. Um, uh, my wife's parents are a little older than my parents, but there's, there's just, you know, there's a limited time window. And I guess even to speak to that, my, uh, my grandparents are alive. So this is my daughter's great grandparents, uh, like a bunch of them, three of them. So those are pretty precious, uh, exchanges. Like every time we say goodbye, they're like saying good, like maybe goodbye forever to us. Like, and they're, they're kind of, uh, like, I mean, it in the way where my grandma's like, just, a got a, uh, spitfire wit and she's like, all right, well, I might die. So give me a good hug, <laughs> you know, like those kind of goodbyes There you go. Little, puts a little tear in your eyes. So, um, so that's kind of what this chapter is about. And then, uh, um, yeah, I'll dive into more detail where it's interesting. Yeah. So, so I think, uh, on that note, just talking about kind of a little bit of the, like, why to do this in general. I was listening to a podcast the other day. I would love to credit it, but I don't even remember it was. Oh, no. But the but the guest had said something that for that stuck with me. And it was pretty he asked the host, like, you know, he said, You live in Los Angeles. That's great. Where do your parents live? And the guy said they live on the East Coast. And he said, Okay, and how old are your parents? And he's like, My parents are, you know, 75, 76. And he said, Okay, well, let's say you go back just just for Christmas, maybe one other time. And the guy was like, yeah, that's basically what I do. And he said, okay, well, let's say your parents live to like a good age. If your parents are 75 and they die when they're 85, that means you'll only see your parents 20 more times in your life. Yeah. And it's there's like a... nobody thinks about it in terms of times that they'll see someone. They think of it as time, but it's like when you start to put things in perspective that way, it becomes a lot more... <laughs> it's it just different i guess yeah oh yeah no doubt i mean we definitely do that like we do we count our christmases with people right like with kids there's christmas as magic too it's like they love santa's coming you only get like 10 of those in your whole life yeah and uh yeah tim urban who does wait but why which is an interesting blog uh he has a great one i think it's called the the long tail and he basically shows you spend like 90 something percent of your parents before you're of the time you're going to spend with your parents uh before you're 18 and uh yeah i'm a huge believer in exactly what you just said like counting your visits you know and uh yeah man i mean like yeah yeah agree but that's that's just part more of the sort of why to do this in general so i guess uh i'll play host duties for today so we right now we have you at your first two places um you know you're house hacking the second one so mm-hmm. let's put you towards the end of that like uh where are you going into the next property like where's your head at what are you trying to do what's the goal here uh sorry just a level set i have three properties in pittsburgh now or i have two and i'm buying my third two and you're buying your third yeah sure so my um my kid is getting older about two i want to say something in, in that range mm-hmm. um and um we basically have lived in a duplex her entire life, um, except for the first like three months of her life. So there's concessions that come with that, right? We, we have not night trained her because we share a wall with the tenant and like, they just have to cry it out. Well, that doesn't work for your tenant. Right. So we have, we have made some like kind of, uh, lifestyle concessions that we need to get rid of. So all this equates to, we want a separate house. So we want a house. 
okay, that is standalone from another unit, but also has an income potential. So we are considering looking at places that might have some sort of Airbnb arrangement. And eventually this place pops up. It's got a house with a detached garage and there's an apartment above. It's listed for 140. And we're like, let's do it. Right. And the motivation behind this is we can live a normal family life. We can discipline our daughter. She can run and be as loud as she needs. Uh, in, particularly at night, this is relevant. So we can let her cry it out and like sleep train her truly effectively. And then, um, and then make money and have the tenant pay the mortgage. Um, so that's what we did. Long story short. I mean, I can get into the details of that deal. It didn't go perfect, but we're on the other side of it now. We have a little more cash in it than we would have liked. And uh, yeah, one, basically that garage apartment pays the mortgage. Um, and uh, we rented out the house uh, eventually a year later. And uh, that pays more than mortgage and places cash flowing quite nicely. There's some construction noise outside. Oh, I can't hear it at all. No okay, construction well, noise at all, listeners. That's, that's good, but I was shutting my window. So yeah, I, I mean, um, kind of knowing you, I'm reasonably familiar with the deal. So you've got like a, an accessory dwelling over the garage um, yep. behind you and the house needed some work to mm -hmm. kind of uh, improve the value so really what you did here in this third deal is you almost did like a single family burr plus a pseudo multifamily type thing which is pretty cool so did you have any challenges with like um zoning or anything with this property um we didn't really have challenges but yes we i mean we had to do work right so i think the is the garage permitted is the first question and it was, but the permit was like written on like a napkin in the seventies mm -hmm. and our agent had to work with a seller's agent to uh, go get the permit pulled out of archives and like confirmed. Uh, Cause we didn't want to like get it re-permitted. And then also we didn't want to pay taxes on like two different parcels or something like that. You know, I don't know all the details to be honest, cause it worked out, but basically, yes, there was a little bit of headache there, but um we did it before the transaction was over. So we could just basically like hold this juicy carrot over the agents and say, if you can figure this problem out, you're going to get your 3% go. Uh, and it kind of worked. <laughs> Tony, wow. the agent doesn't like that analogy, but uh, I wouldn't say held it over the agent's head. You just, it was more just a contingency that like everybody needed to clear to make it work. So it's not really like a, a carrot so to speak it's more just a problem that needs to be solved yeah i guess for me as a buyer i didn't have to do it right i was able to effectively delegate yeah. to the agents they were properly incentivized and motivated to do it and it worked so that was great because yes if the agents were just like yeah we can't find it i would have had to like go do that myself right but i mean that well the seller the would have had to but yeah yep. um so yeah that happened and yeah that happened um, and then, yeah, we just had to do standard inspections. You know, our borough requires us to get permits for it to be a rental. And I don't know, the hot water heater in there is like a million years old and, you know, yeah. like yeah, literally gotcha. 30 years old. Uh, so yeah, that kind of stuff. So you're in this, you're in this house, mm -hmm. you renovate it, how the renovation took a while. Renovation, we couldn't afford to take a while. So we had to pay money to get it accelerated and contracted out. We had to, well, we didn't have to, but we moved where the kitchen was. Uh, 
uh, we did basically everything to this house. We painted the basement floors. We <laughs> finished the attic, uh, like refinished the attic, painted all the walls, had wood paneling, painted all that a million times. Do you know how many coats of paint wood panels take to a go lot. from brown, brown to another color? Yeah. I don't know, but it's, it's, I'll tell you, it's more than two. Uh, <laughs> uh, floors, moved the kitchen, contractor was kind of killing us. And we had to do both the house we moved into and the apartment in like a 30-day race. So um, had a leak in the roof, had a groundhog who moved in. I'm trying to think of... Uh, <laughs> our main issue was um, this was like mid-COVID-ish and we couldn't find contractors who wanted to take this job on. People just didn't even want this job. That you know, there was wallpaper we just paneled on top of. There was all kinds of stuff, and people just didn't even want this job. So I got a, a contractor I worked with in the past, but I've actually spoken about this uh, in detail on another episode. He's tied up in drugs or something, and it just didn't work out. So um, I was between a rock and a hard place, and I was like, we just got to get this over the line and make it livable, and then I'll finish it up, and I will um, – basically like subcontract out the work because we had to move in i'll subcontract the, the remaining work uh to like people i actually trust um so that that was a really weird dynamic where i just didn't have leverage not because of money but because of time mm-hmm. and uh there's a, some really good lessons there for us about like uh how we manage moving schedules uh we, we had basically promised something to one of the tenants and yeah, I mean, two tenants, and we couldn't like renege. So then we yeah. ate all we ate all the squeeze, and um, I mean, like, you know, I, we didn't pay for marriage counseling. But the joke I'll make is, for what I paid in marriage counseling, <laughs> we could have just paid the mortgage on both places for two months. You know what I mean? And it would have been <laughs> fine. So anyway, yeah, yeah. So um, so I presume you moved into this, right? Yep, moved in. Yep. How long did you, uh, so you're obviously not living there now and mm-hmm. this was quite an adventure. Did you, um, were you working on it while you were living there then? Or were you still at the apartment? While yeah, you were we were working, working on it. it. We were working on it while we lived in it. I, um, we didn't do any, like, like we didn't do the floor, you know, once we had moved in, but yeah, we painted like, uh, what used to be the kitchen. We turned into a big massive pantry. Um, mm-hmm. and we like painted that while we lived there and the attic, you know, like the rooms yeah. that were stupid for the longest time I would do zoom calls on work and I'd have to put on this virtual background. And if I ever raised my hand, sometimes the background breaks and they could see <laughs> I was in this attic where only half the ceiling tiles were in. And there was like, <laughs> you know, uh, insulation, like hanging out. Yeah. The and they're like, I actually did a job interview with a friend of a friend. They saw that and they're like, where are you? Like, are you in a trap house? I'm in an abandoned <laughs> factory. Yeah. And I was like, um, I didn't really want the job. So I was like, sure, whatever. Yeah. Nice. Um, so obviously you move in, you, you rented out your former place you were living at, you rented out the garage part. So now you're in the house. Um, what are you thinking there? Like, did you guys already have a plan to move before you even moved into this place? Did you, you know, where was, what were you thinking as far as the next step after you're living in the house? Um, I mean, at first it was, Hey, let's just see how this goes and let's survive. Right. And then it's always just, Hey, what do we want to do with our family? So for us, our daughter's going to start going to preschool. So we wanted her to have access to the right schools. 
And then um, our original plan was to be basically in Pittsburgh full time, I would say for five to six years. Uh, we named our company like uh, the letter, the number six in it. And that was, that was the goal. It's like, hey, in six years, we're going to sunset this thing and make it hands off. Uh, I think we lasted half of that. And then between <laughs> winter, COVID and that property, my wife was like, look, this is just way too much for me. I don't want to do this again. Not this way anymore. Um, so, uh, you know, sort of those three years were a little bit for me to like build some wealth for our family. And, um, and anyway, she basically came to me and said, I would really like us to um, start traveling more and like shop for shop for a city where we think our, our like our family can put down full-time roots. Mm -hmm. so, so that's what we did. Uh, and we visited a bunch of places. Um, and then eventually we wound up in this small town in Colorado. And uh, I mean, she can't hear me. So we're sort of doing a trial period to see how it works. And if it doesn't work, we're just going to go back into our property. Um, but she would be very, like, uh... she'd be very disappointed to hear that this is a trial and not the full time thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's like uh, this, this Scott Rickens guy is playing a fire book. I think yeah, that's yeah. what they they did. They like went around. They went around and like lived in different cities before they found yeah. the one that they kind of want to wanted to settle into. Yeah, and for us, I mean, just to give some context, we, we really wanted to be on the East Coast. Um, we want to be close to family, but there, there's no close to family for us. So my, my father lives in upstate New York. My mother lives in Delaware, and her parents live in Virginia, and then her sister lives in, like, the south of Virginia. So it's just, you know, we're never going to be trip close. from everybody anyway. Yeah, there, there is no, like, and my, my uh, grandparents live in uh, eastern Pennsylvania. Um, so there's no, like, there's no place where it's like, oh, this will work. And actually growing up, I spent a ton of time in the car, <laughs> like all the time, you know, you're going to aunt's birthdays that are like two hours away and, yeah, you know, and then all kinds of stuff. So some part of me was like, look, let's just like, we'll be away. And then when we travel and go see everybody, we'll travel and go see everybody. But we tried to find all those little places where we thought we would be a fit. Maybe the closest we got was the beaches of Delaware. But, um, yeah, it didn't really work out for us. And, uh, I mean, it is pretty rad where we are. <laughs> it's also, it's also like the nicest time of year. I just love September. So, um, so anyway, yeah, that's kind of what we're doing now. And, um, we're sort of exploring this transition, like I said, trying to have multiple income streams and have those income streams be as flexible as possible. So my job, I'm a hundred percent remote. Um, it took me a couple of years to get that arrangement. But basically, I can work from anywhere. They don't care where I work. Um, our properties, we're trying to make those flexible. Uh, those happen from anywhere. My wife has her own company. Uh, it's 100% remote. And not only is it location flexible, but it's also time flexible. They don't even care when she works. She has zero meetings. She just talks to people on Slack. They give her tasks. She gets it done. And uh, so that's there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we're... Um, trying to turn our current rental situation, which maybe I can talk in a little detail on, into, a, um, into an income stream as well, where it's like flexible and um, wasn't really the plan, but it's what's <laughs> happening. And uh, I'm trying to think what else I can talk about. Uh, you can bike here. So where we live, we only have one car. 
So uh, my plan is to be a bicycle dude uh, for as much as I can. Winter's coming, so we'll see if that's uh, a complete uh, pipe dream. But Mr. Plan... Money Mustache would scoff at that. Yes, probably. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, my plan is at least when it's nice, uh, maybe eventually we'll get like a super beater second car. So we're a one car family right now. That we save some money that way. And we'll get a super beater second car. And then we will uh, Turo our nice 2014 Prius out, which has like 22,000 miles on it. Um, and uh, turn that into an income stream. So, and then... Yeah, I mean, right now we're in a rental. It's a six-month rental. And we actually just want contingent on a house that we are going to Airbnb. Um, and uh, we're trying to make that an income stream. So we have all these little things floating around. <laughs> so there's a few uh, potential, I guess, conversations out of that. Um, some of which we could probably expand on more in future episodes. But um, so you've got like, you know, how obviously to transition your job to be more five friendly, like even mm -hmm. if you're not, um, even if you're still working, like how do you make it so that you can kind of do everything that you want to do while you're doing it? That could that we could probably talk about in the future. But, you know, you're still talking about all the different income streams and things like that. Mm -hmm. So my question is, like when, you know when do you hit the point where you think you ease up on that type of stuff and just, um, you know, is it forever or do you eventually ease up on that and then move more into like, uh, I wouldn't say enjoying life. Cause that's, I think you enjoy life plenty, but where you like slow down on the trying to maximize the money part and yeah. then maximize comfort and everything else. Yeah, for I mean, for our family, we want to have another kid. That's proven more complicated than we expected, uh, just because the first one was so easy. And basically, so sort of the major life milestones for us are uh, get this housing sort sorted out because it's a little frantic right now. Uh, that'll be done in a month. Um, then we want to have a, a second kid, like bun in the oven, as they say. Uh, we'll see how long that takes, and uh, that might cost a lot of money, right? So. I mean, not to get into tons of details, but on my wife's side, there's just complications with the family and uh, we'll, we'll just see where that takes us. And in general, insurance doesn't cover that kind of stuff. So we got to see what that's going to take. But assuming those things that get done, which I think they will, I mean, that's part of our motivation here in Colorado. It's one of the best fertility centers in the world is right where we are. Mm -hmm. um, assuming all that's done, because I don't think that pertains to our listeners. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Then uh, basically my like one year plan will be transitioning into not like an enjoy life thing. Cause I do enjoy life, but that's, being, yeah, I didn't mean being, that per se. Yeah. Removing my obligations. So right now my work is hundred percent remote. I love my boss and most of my teammates. I have some employees, which employees are just kind of like children. You, uh, you know, you don't love his family. Uh, they come to you with problems and stuff, <laughs> but I, I will try and remove some of those elements of my life. So, uh, probably like at work, maybe this means transitioning to a contractor. Um, or maybe this means uh, starting my own little side hustle that provides enough wealth where, you know, our, our obligations are met and we feel like we have breathing room. And then, I mean, just to be honest, 
I don't think I would be comfortable being in a place where we just like break even with every month, like our expenses, mm-hmm. you know, our income minus expenses, you know, I, I want to continue to see that grow. And then it's just a question of like, well, are you comfortable with like housing appreciation counting, stock appreciation mm-hmm. counting, you know, do I need cash flow every month or can I just build wealth? Um, Cause I mean, we're about, we're about 50, 50 in terms of like assets uh, split between uh, stocks and real estate, our cash flow. Uh, the real estate just cash flows harder, which is cool. Um, and it's uh, that that will sort of be my project, and maybe we'll follow along with the listeners. That'll sort of be my project in the next year. Is uh, so I just got certified to be a mobile notary. Um, I've explored some land investing. Uh, I have this side project that looks like it might start making money with some people I work with. Um, so I kind of just have these like little little fire little uh, coals in the fire. And uh, I'm just trying to see, are any of these going to make a little bit of money for me? Um, And then, uh, you know, I have this feeling that when things start well, they tend to continue to go well, but when they don't start well, they don't tend to get better. So I'm just trying to see, you know, what's starting well and what might ramp up, or maybe I just need to become like an Airbnb manager. Um, So that's sort of the project I'm on now. Uh, we, We have this six month rental and we are stuck here for six months. And we bought this house that we want to Airbnb, uh, like one room in, and we plan to just move into it for now and Airbnb the whole thing when we travel and see family and stuff. And, uh, so basically what's going to happen is we're going to do an Airbnb arbitrage on the rental we're in, not really out of interest. After I just I, pooped on Airbnb arbitrage in the last, uh, yeah, in the last episode. episode. <laughs> but this is, we are, we are basically obligated to, so we're either going to have to pay like 4,000 bucks to get out of our lease. Or we have this asset until February. And if I can make more than our rent on it through Airbnb, then it works. And if it doesn't work, then I'll just pay the termination fee. And I learned a lesson for, you know, one month's rent. So we're going to move out and then I'm going to use one of these furniture rental things and furnish the place with that. And uh, we'll see if Airbnb comes up. I mean, I'm also just trying to sublet it on like Facebook marketplace and stuff, but we're not really getting the nibbles we want to see. So I'm just going to try Airbnb. Um, the math yeah. looks quite compelling and, uh, maybe that's my first little income job here and we'll learn how to do Airbnb since we want to do it on the other property too. Nice. So I might have two Airbnbs in a month nice. <laughs> from zero to two. Nice. So. so on that, I think that brings up an interesting thought because the question was, when does it end? Like, when do you shift life into <laughs> this, uh, end point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, what I think is useful about how you answered that is that a lot of people think of financial independence, retire early, like fire thing and retiring has this sit on a beach, sip my ties connotation. But the funny thing is that most people that pursue this are pretty self-motivated people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so most of the people that pursue this aren't the kind of people that are just going to like go move into a nice gated community chill out play what's something that people play what's the lawn game lawn darts oh, i don't know bocce, or, bocce bocce. or yeah, yeah. croquet or whatever people are yeah, just yeah. gonna settle into this nice like leisurely life because myself sounds like you a lot of people that pursue this it's like if you don't have a project that you're working on life doesn't quite feel very yes. fulfilling so yes. what's interesting about what you said 
is that you're trying to make all these different things as hassle-free as possible, which is impossible. It's impossible to make it totally hassle-free. There's always garbage that comes up, but the more that you can make it location independent and reasonably time independent, like your wife's situation, for instance, where it doesn't matter when she does it, she can just kind of fit stuff in as long as Mm -hmm. the task is accomplished. It doesn't matter what her hours are, you know, and then even in your own situation, like if you build up to the point where you're comfortable with your passive income, you could take on less responsibilities at work or shift your job up a little bit so that it was more in line with your life. And those are all things that by pursuing financial independence, you don't actually have to quit. You don't actually have to stop hustling. Even though I hate, I hate, can't believe I even use the term hustle. I hate that term. But I mean, we're, we're we're hustling though. We are. It's true. Yeah, but you don't have to. You don't have to stop. You know, working towards things and everything like that. You can just kind of, um, you know, it provides you with the nice flexibility that if something feels heavy, you can drop it. Like if it yes. feels like it's too much, you can drop it and your other stuff picks up the slack. So I think that's that's really useful kind of, even though it's almost a non-answer that you gave me. <laughs> well, I mean, it yeah, is I mean, an look, very, after all. very honestly, like we just signed up for more obligations, right? We have a mortgage on this new place we're about to close on and yeah. I, I got to pay it and I'm obligated to pay the rent here on the six month lease. So I'm not in this like I, I couldn't be uh, quote unquote F-I-R-E if I wanted right now so mm-hmm. i am i have to do some of this stuff we're in a little bit of a squeeze to be honest um but um i mean look it's kind of fun to me i mean it and it's fun because my job is pretty flexible you know my wife has a good situation my daughter's going to school so we have some breathing room right so i, I don't feel like we have too many spinning plates but um yeah i mean when would we transition into that next chapter and what does that look like that looks like yeah we have like our you know, our family wants are solved in terms of we have a housing situation we feel good with and we have the right number of children uh, that's tied to health insurance, which is tied to my job presently. And then, yeah, I mean, basically, then it's just some some kind of cash flow math, right? Of Do I have enough money coming in? Mm-hmm. I think that's like a personal thing for everybody. You know, for me, we're young enough and, you know, I want to have two kids. They're probably going to go to school and I'm not like, even though in my head, I'm like, I don't think we should pay for their college. I'm not like willing to actually like not pay for any of their college. I'm like too afraid. But um, I yeah. actually think the weird, the, I, I don't have any kids, but I've always thought what might be a useful exercise is to like when your kids in high school, make them think they're going to pay for college and then go yes. through the whole process like they are paying for college all the way through college. And at the end, just be like, oh, by the way here's this lump sum of money to pay off everything that you had done. That way they go through college with the experience of like thinking that they have to work for it, that it's valuable. And then at the end, it's like, here's your graduation gift. All your loans are paid off. Go maybe yeah. make them get their first job and then be like, congratulations. Yeah, so you got your first I have a brother job. who's 12 years younger than me. So it's this really interesting thing. He's a half brother, but anyway, uh, so I kind of get to like be a parent or I'm old enough to have some of these parenting perspectives as I watch him grow up. So he just graduated college. And I, I always thought that was exactly what we would do. We would be like, look, you got to figure this out. And I think if you have a motivated kid who like is looking for scholarships and all that stuff, 
um, you can do that strategy. But my brother had no idea like what $40,000 means. I mean, it's just such a large sum of money to a kid and they don't, they've never received like their paycheck where they're like, Oh, wow. Like I'm not going to be able to pay $40,000 off in a year. Right. They think like, Oh, well I'll make 52 or whatever they think they're going to make. Yeah. And then I'll pay, I'll pay off 40. Maybe it'll take like two years. It's like, no, that's <laughs> not what it's going to take. It's going to take longer. So, and, and by the way, it's 40 times four, right. It's not 40 times one. So, <laughs> yeah. And he sort of just had that cold bath of like, Oh my God. Like, you know, so I, I yeah. Uh, let's not talk about this too much because this no, could be a no, whole episode. But I always thought that was like I a agree. unique thing where I'm like, I could just set it up so that they're good, but then trick them into having all the motivation and everything they need to make them like a successful adult. Yeah. But then still give them the soft landing to kind of, I guess that's a negative connotation term, but it kind of is a soft landing. It's like you get to start your life with no debt, which is yeah, awesome. Um, yeah. But yeah, in any event, I think that kind of, uh, I mean, that's sort of like, you know, where you're going, kind of your own situation, a little bit about what you did to sort of set yourself up for that. Um, do you think we missed anything as far as? No, I think, you know, just in the future episodes, we'll just unpack what people think is interesting. You know, give us a call, leave a message, uh, a comment on the YouTube channel and let us know, like, do you want to hear more about making your job remote? Do you want to hear more about actually like getting our flexibility with your job? I mean, I'm about to do all these things or I've done them, you know, or uh, like a rent to rent, you know, we'll just sort of tell stories from the trenches of as we go through these things, because you're doing some of this too. We're about to talk about what you do in your episode. So cool. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, give us a call 412-212-8366. We're at BeFreeRE on Instagram. Tony, you're 412 agent everywhere. Tony Angotti or Anthony Angotti online everywhere. Bigger Pockets, Facebook, LinkedIn, all that stuff. And then we have our YouTube channel um, that I've been not as frequently as the podcast. Preparing. I have some posts up there. Um, You know, occasionally we get into some more visual type episodes. So if you can pop on the YouTube, you can see my I Am Group shirt if you want. Yes. and give us a subscribe, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there you go. All right, everybody. See you next episode. See ya. Or we'll be talking about Tony's the situation. Yep.